This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. on today's podcast is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits is a veteran-owned, family-owned distillery in Washington State, and they make amazing beverages, which I keep partaking in, so they're awesome. And if you use coupon code DWA10, you get 10% off, and recognize that we are talking about their beverages, so that's where we're at there. But today, I'm going a little rogue, because I... um, had some of this flat rock ice spice baby which is cranberry cider i have a little bit of it left because it's only when um christmas time and it also has the uh, story of ice ice baby on the can which makes me very very happy so that's what i'm drinking tonight cr what are you drinking i am doing green tea and vodka still because you know i'm being healthy this year so (laughs) that's that's what i'm doing you need to come up with a name for this drink so that you know like that we copyright that on the show <laughs> i gotta come up with something like punny or i'll have to ask Corey. he's really good at like the punny stuff yeah. and see if he can come up with some crazy name he needs to he needs to because i'm telling you it's going to be stolen from us and what are you drinking i'm drinking um this is a negroni spagliati so you've ever heard of the Negroni, right? Which is the gin and Campari and vermouth. Yes. This is kind of a version with sparkling wine instead of the gin. So right. did you invent that or did you find No, it's a real it? drink. It's actually a real drink. <laughs> okay. What happened was I was watching, I don't know, I'm sure everybody saw the video where Stanley Tucci made the Negroni, right? And I'm like, that sounds great. And then I don't really love gin drinks. So I thought, okay. And so you kind of Google and I tend to like sparkling wine drinks in general. Sometimes I make them with grapefruit and and um, other, you know, the and Campari or add other kind of things to it. So yeah, you're you're super fancy in comparison to us. I opened a can. That's what I did. It's fun. Well, Trader Joe's has the little cans of Italian sparkling wine which is nice because oh. you can just make one. Yeah, the, the problem sometimes with Prosecco drinks is you don't want to drink a whole bottle, right? So Trader Joe's has the little cans and a little can, little Campari, little vermouth, boom, done. So <laughs> it's so funny you bring up Stan Tucci because I was visiting my daughter because she had a daughter. So now I'm a Mima, but we were watching, we watched Burlesque that has Stan Tucci. And then I was like, what do you want to watch next? And she's like, easy A. We were ended up in a series I of movies. I love that movie. Yes. <laughs> but non-intentionally with Stanley Tucci. I love him. I just absolutely, there's no role that he ever does that I don't completely love him in. Yes. Do you want to know something weird we did? We we did a Ryan Reynolds movie weekend unintentionally because I love his movie, Just Friends. Like it's my number one movie. I've seen it a million times, know every word. And then we were like, oh, Deadpool 2 is on HBO and you can't just watch the second one. You have to do the first one. Yeah. And then we ended up going into like, so we did one and two, and then we did RIPD, and like it ended up being a Ryan's Reynolds movie weekend. Nice. 
The film, we could watch Green Lantern. Like, it was, at that okay, point, well, we were dedicated. You just at literally that point, yeah. off of <laughs> That's hardcore. That would be a hardcore fan. <laughs> yeah, we were dedicated at that point. You can't yeah. you just... You were, you were pot committed, as we say in poker. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, and now that we've gone on a whole entire binge about Stan Tucci and Ryan Reynolds, tell the people who are listening what you write that may not know you. Okay, so, well, um, I have two books out. They are both, both the first in a series. So the first one is called The War Council, and it, kind of, it falls under romantic comedy, but I would, I know my cousin calls it a caper, you know, because it's, it's more satiric look at, at love and relationships and and things like that. And it's though that's the first in a romantic comedy series that's called The University Chronicles. The second book is the first in the Destination Murder Mysteries, and it's called Destination Maui. And it's based on my 20 plus years as a working travel writer. And um, so it's about a, about a travel writer who solves mysteries on her trips. So the first one takes place in Maui. So, so those all of this things. is awesome, which leads into the next question. When did you start writing? Um, I think I've always written in one way or another growing up. So um, the one, the book that made me want to be a writer was The World According to Garth. I read The World According to Garth and I wanted to be Garth because Garth in that movie, in the book, essentially he has this great life, right? Really writes in the morning and then he goes, does the wrestling in the afternoon. I'm like, I want that life. That is like a perfect, you know what I mean? It's like- You wanted to go do wrestling in the afternoon? I, like, wrestling, but I, liked, I liked the variety in his life, right? You know, so I'm a tennis player. So I like that, you know, you can write in the morning, play tennis in the afternoon or whatever it is you want to do. There's, there just was a nice mix of, of life in there. So, and I've always written in one way or another. I, I've made, yeah, my living as a writer for, my whole writing career. So yeah, so now it's novels. Before it was magazines and before that I worked in the film industry actually, so yeah. Well, that's fascinating. what do you do in the film industry? Um, I most, I, well, I got my master's in film and then I, I was a, a read, what they call a reader or worked in development where I read books and scripts and then wrote coverage to, to tell people whether or not they should be made into movies, so. Oh, you were a gatekeeper. Oh. I was. I, and for some of them, I just was the no person. So I read a lot of dreck. <laughs> I read a lot of really, really, really bad screenplays. So, and, but sometimes I would read books for them, which I actually loved doing because the books were always better than the screenplays in general. I think that it's always the case for the most part. I will say that. I mean, it's interesting because we've talked about this on the podcast with other authors, but I am not a huge fan when they take books and make them into movies. I, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm not a huge fan when they do that because I feel like you lose some of the story, but then you realize you can't tell all of the story in the movie because right. there's not enough time to tell all of the story. And they're just, Did you they're, ever um, say yes in Greenlight, some fun movies that we would know? No, although the one, the one that I hated that they ended up making and made a lot of money was The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I don't know if you remember. Oh my gosh, one. Rebecca De Mornay. Yes, I know what you're talking I about. I found it to be just the most sexist piece of drivel on the page. I just hated it. You know, and then they bought it and made it to a movie and it made all sorts of Sleeping with the Enemy I read. Um, I read, uh, what are some of the other ones I read? Mostly, but mostly I read a lot of Drek. Yeah. Um, are we allowed to consider you an expert witness now? I'm sorry, what? 
do we get to count you as like an expert witness now because like you've worked in that field so that when people try to say that like the book was worse than the movie or whatever we can be like excuse me hold on one second we'll bring in an expert right yeah maybe yeah yeah no I was the one the other one I read was um Silence of the Lambs I read the book and it was a great book but and in those days this tells you how much though tv and film has is changed because when it first came out I read it and I'm like they are never going to, they wanted me to read it for the TV department of a company. And they're, I'm like, they are never going to make a TV movie about a guy who skins his victims. I'm like, there's just, that's just now, that's no big deal, right? I mean, it's like, oh, whatever, you know? So, but yeah, yeah, that was a fun no, one. It's definitely interesting how things progress. They say that, um, CR is um, younger than the both of us, but I say that because I remember what you couldn't do and what you couldn't say on TV. Like, I remember when you couldn't swear on TV unless it was literally cable TV. There isn't cable right. TV the way there used to be. Like, I remember, okay, this is going to date. I remember when HBO came out and like they put movies and they had cuss words and it was like huge and you'd get this R rating if you had cuss words and sex and now like I don't even know what you have to do to get an R rating anymore on a movie. I know. Like, <laughs> like I just kind of go, do you just ask and go, could you put an R rating on our movie because we want to <laughs> say it's an R rated movie? Right, exactly. Yeah. I think there's from what I, from what I understand, yeah, when they give those ratings, it's like how many cuss words are in there how much, if there's nudity, how much the nudity is, full frontal immediately gets you an X or, you know, I mean, it was, that was the old days, but you know, there's still a, those lines that they won't cross. I was, I was gonna say full frontals PG-13 these days. So. I know, well, not male. Yeah, like anything on freaking TV, like, yeah, exactly. Like you can have a girl hanging everything out and it's like, but not eh, guys. whatever, but yeah. a guy I mean, you show, you show like, the guys. on. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Oh my goodness. And okay, so here's, for years, like violence was fine, but not nudity, right? So you can blow someone's head off, but you can't have sex with them. You know, then you get it. You know, <laughs> you can kill them in really bizarre ways, but you're not allowed to fornicate with them. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That was our line. We had a line. <laughs> yes. Well, exactly. That line has been turned into such a hazy kind of wavy thing. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then you moved to be a travel writer. How did you do that transition? Yes. Well, I was working in the film industry for a while and, and I soon learned to hate the film industry. Um, the, it's mostly the people aren't very happy in the film industry or, you know. And so I thought, well, how else does a writer make a living? And I answered this ad for a small magazine needs, you know, administrative help. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do admin work, but I'll apply for this job. And um, the guy hired me said, oh my God, you know, I think you have a great background. I'd love to train you to be an editor. And I said, oh, okay. So it ended up, it was a small travel trade magazine, what they call travel trade magazine. So this particular magazine went to meeting planners. So people who plan meetings for um, you name it. And it was for associations. So it's like, I say everything from knitters to lawyers to you name it, there's an association. And what they have in common is they meet, well, like book booksellers, right? Or everybody. And so there's someone who plans that meeting. So they book a lot of hotel rooms. So the travel industry loves those magazines. So suddenly I was going on these great trips. They invite you to come on these trips to check out their hotel or check out their destination. And we get to write about it. So after, as everyone knows, when you're in Hollywood, they treat writers like dirt and suddenly I'm being treated like royalty. I'm like, I like this business. This is really fun. I'm really enjoying this. So, yeah. 
That's very cool. And so you, um, what made you decide to make the transition into fiction? I actually had written, um, the War Council I actually wrote, I actually first wrote decades ago when I was right out of graduate school. Um, and then I got the job at the magazine. So it kind of went on a shelf because one of the things that I am terrible at is marketing myself. And so I sent it around a little bit and then kind of got the job and, you know, life took off and I started traveling again. And then um, when my, the company I worked for got bought by a bigger publishing company. And so my job was eliminated five years ago. So I pulled the war council back off the shelf and did a big rewrite and started sending, I had to change a lot of things because suddenly, yeah, 20 years difference. I had one scene that was a big pivot point was she goes home and, and there's, you know, a voice on the answering machine. And I'm like, no, oh, we don't have answering machines anymore. You know, and like, there was one like phone booths, no phone booths. All right. You know, you had to throw in some social media mess, you know, things like that. So I had, I updated it and then started shopping it. And then in the meantime, while I was doing the travel writing, I had the idea for the destination mystery series um, because I was on a trip and the trip started at the Algonquin Hotel in New York City. And then we were taking these restored rail cars up to Montreal. So the first night, and what they do in the travel industry is they buy, invite a bunch of writers on these trips. So you're kind of thrown together, you know, to go on a trip together. So we go to dinner at the Algonquin Round Table, right? So it's this historic place and we're sitting there and there's about 10 of us sitting around the table. And there is this one woman who is the most obnoxious person I've ever to this day met. I mean, she was just awful. So I got up to my room in the hotel and I called my husband and I said, oh my God, this woman on the trip is so awful. And he said, oh, so if there's a murder on the train, I know who it'll be. And I thought, what a great idea for a book. So that's, that was, the idea was born then. And then when I finally had time, when my job ended, I started working on them. That's very, very cool. So how was it different for you, for instance, doing the Hollywood writing versus doing travel writing? Um, the thing about Hollywood, right? Well, the thing about scripts and things like that is you're only really, you're kind of, you're only doing a blueprint of something that will happen. Um, and I learned this in film school in my, when I got my master's degree, because we all had to make a film. And so you have, a, and it was based on a, so I took a short story, I turned it into a script, and then I made a film. So that I learned, it completely changed in the editing process. So that they were all three completely different animals. And that's what you kind of learn is that when, when you write books, you get to write the whole world. It's all you, right? It's all your universe. When you write in Hollywood, you're really writing for someone else to take it and turn it into something, if that makes sense. So. Um, Absolutely. And how was that different than from writing for like a magazine for the travel and stuff like that? That one, I mean, they're, they're similar and essentially that one's kind of because it's more journalism style writing essentially i would go on a trip and i'm always though it's, it's similar in that you're always looking for the hook you're always looking for what is that you know if i go to a hotel or i go to a destination it's like what makes it special what sets it apart from other things what is the hook for that place and the other thing we always looked for were theme stories so if i would start to see like I go to three or four different hotels and it's like, oh, everyone's put in a spa or everyone's put in a juice bar. And so you start to look for those themes that you can cover in the magazine. So, 
And the biggest difference though is, is the word count, obviously. So <laughs> but I'm, I, you know, it's like, it's like most of my stories were like 2000 words, right? So now it's 50,000 words. And so you have to, like when I would, and, and I did a lot of freelance writing for other magazines and it's like, all right, so if I have to write a 2000 word story, I do all maybe the research for it. I talk to all the people, I get all the information. And then I have the one bad day for the rough draft, you know, because whenever you're doing a rough draft, it's just horrible, right? You're throwing, it's like, oh, this is terrible, but I'm going to throw it in there. Well, with the book, it's two months of, oh, this is horrible, but I'm going to throw it in there and fix it later, kind of, so. You find it easier to write shorter stories than longer stories? Um, it, no, it's, it's, it's more the, um, the, the pain part is truncated, you know what I mean? The, the <laughs> um, it's just a shorter, I think it's just the cycle is shorter. Like, that's the difference. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. From, a, from <laughs> beginning to end, it's like a five-day cycle versus a six-month cycle, you know? So that's, yeah. CR is asking because she cannot write a story that's not at least 25,000 words long. She cannot help herself and cannot okay. stop herself. So that is why she's asking that question. <laughs> the last couple times I was really close to 25,000. I was only slightly over. I'm getting better. Yeah, I'm just saying that that's still not a short story. That's a novella. Like yeah. a short oh, okay. story yeah. generally is under 10,000 words. Usually somewhere between two and five. I know. Like, could you even do that? How do you, could you, you do, do a whole 5,000 I'm going to practice. I'm going to do well, it. I'm going to practice. To me, that would mean maybe break it into smaller stories, right? It was a $25,000, $25,000, 25,000 word story. Woo! Um, <laughs> could be like, two or three great short stories, right? I would find oh. a nugget, as, especially as, as a magazine editor, when I used to have to go in and fix people's stories, it was like, all right, again, where, where's the nugget that really works? Let's, let's concentrate on that and we'll move it. We can use that later. You always have to pretend you're gonna use the material later. Like, I'm just gonna move this off to another <laughs> file. And that kind of teases you into thinking that, you know, you can cut it and not feel like you're cutting off your, you know, arm. <laughs> I will cut uh, off people's arms. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but you pretend it's like it's like when you're cleaning out your closet, right? That's what I used to say. Like editing for the magazine is like cleaning out someone's um, garage, right? And first you have to take out the big chunks, you know, and then you start and then you start sweeping. By the time you sweep the you know corners, you've you've gotten everything out of there. But first you have to maybe take the car out and take the belt out and take the bike out, and then you can start to to find the stuff to to whittle down. I'm just saying, know. this is this is something you have to work on. Like, I'm the opposite, you know. I go and and they'll tell me, you know, eighty thousand words because mine are about eighty thousand. And like, <laughs> I think you're being a little bit generous when you say about eighty thousand because they're more like a hundred thousand. Oh but my god! No, but but I do. I cut them. I'll go and I'll message her and I'll be like, hey, so is one twenty five okay? And she's like, no, eighty. And I'm like, okay. So then I move it to the next book and I'm like, okay, how about one ten? And she's like, no, eighty. And I'm like, okay. So then I move more. It. I think it's so much harder, at least for me to make the shorter stories because I end up coming up with so much that has to like tie in because I, I have the whole world that I think it's it's so hard. I don't get I how people do it. There's there's an art and I and I and I've said this on this the show before is that 
I think, and it's interesting, I did a, a seminar on shameless self-promotion, right? And I was talking about doing a giveaway story. Like you should have a giveaway story, but your giveaway story should be 25,000 words, maybe five, but 25,000, no, 2,500, sorry, words, 5,000 words, somewhere in there. Is it, is the sweet spot for a giveaway story. But I also think it hones an author skills to do short stories. And I think a lot of authors that are doing books and doing things like that could really benefit from researching what anthologies and stuff are out there and writing a short story that aligns with an anthology in the genres that they want to write or even trying something new. Because telling a short story is really telling one moment in time, one brief like little piece of it. And I think a lot of authors tend to want to describe everything that happened before, everything that happened after, and all the other characters. And none of that matters for the short story that you're trying to say. I think it's something that authors should practice is all I'm saying is that I think it's a skill set yeah. that one should have. <laughs> but if you do it too much, <laughs> then you have a problem writing a book. So. Because I know yeah. some authors that are just short story authors because they can write, man, they can write 10,000 words to, they will, they will write 10,000 words. But when you're like, okay, cool, that needs to be 60,000 words. They're like, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. Right. <laughs> so it goes both directions, my friend. It goes both directions. Yeah. Okay. We are going to take a quick break while CR is pondering life, the universe, and short <laughs> stories. We will be right back with Drinking with Fathers. Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. We're back. But anyway, as I was saying during break, microfiction stories. There are stories where you have 200 words to tell a story. Yeah. Absolutely. It is basically a tweet, like <laughs> to yeah. tell an entire story. And there are competitions to tell entire little tiny stories like that. It's That's okay. You don't have to enter those competitions. Okay. No. <laughs> In the magazine world, because I did some, I did a lot of freelancing as well. And I, sometimes I would do for the big kind of New York women's magazines and stuff like that. And sometimes, man, the work they put into a 400 word piece, it was a little, sometimes it was, 
you know, a pain in the patootie because essentially I would turn in the piece and they'd go, oh, you know, I like it. First editor, but can you change X, Y? And I'm like, okay, I'll go change X, Y. And then the next editor goes, ah, can you change, you know, Z? And you go, okay, I changed it. And then you get to the top editor, like, well, why isn't this all in? I'm like, well, that was in my first draft. But, but it's like, that was 400 words. And I did four revisions of 400 words, you know, it's like crazy. It's like, oh my God, okay. No, that, that is completely bonkers. Okay, so you've gone into the fiction writing. You've got two books out. What made you not self-publish? Um, a few things. One is, again, I am horrible at marketing myself. I, I, I hate it. I don't like doing it. I wanted to put... I wanted to put that in the hands of a publisher who knew what they were doing. And so, yeah, it was never really, I, in, for me, something that I was going to want to do. Um, I also, yeah, I just, I want to, you know, write. And I, and I like having a publisher who is there to support me and do, do the publishing stuff. So, you know, it's like, you know. No, totally. I, yeah. I, I say that knowing that very well. Um, exactly. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's important to talk about that though, because there are definitely, you know, so many avenues you can go with publishing and doing stuff like that. And I think it speaks to somebody should never give up on wanting to be a published author. They just have to, depending on the route they choose, be willing to go through the steps that that route takes. Right. Like sending your work out to be reviewed and waiting to hear back from publishers and stuff like that, which... Not all publishers are the greatest at communicating back. I'm just right. going to say that publishers listening to this podcast, <laughs> work on your communication skills. You would hate it if you wanted something and somebody was like, I'm going to take six to eight months to tell you that thing that you want to know. Right. So, right. Just, just a quick, talk. like, sorry, not for us. Like, or great. Right. Love it. And, and I'm probably not going to read this. So no. And it's very analogous to the magazine world, which obviously I spent two decades in. And, and it's kind of similar in that um, I liked being on staff because as, as, as a staff writer and editor, you have, um, you have a support system, right? I am here for this magazine. The freelance people, you're having to you know, scrape and scrap, who am I writing for at this time or if I'm invited on this trip? And you don't always... And some people are really good at that. And they are really, really successful freelance writers. But you need to be able to kind of want to do all of that marketing and running around and getting all that done separate from just writing about stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think, yeah, no, it is and definitely that to me like different. a difference. There's, I know some self, I, you know, I've seen some self-published authors who are really good at it because they are really good marketers. And they get it out and they know how to get people's, you know, and so in some ways this is great because they get to publish exactly what they want. And then there's the traditional that sometimes you like, you talk about who maybe don't give you this, you know, get back to you or, you know, it's like, we don't have to. And so it's, I, it's finding that balance, I guess. is the, Yeah. It's, and I think it's changing. I think it's changing a lot. Like when you talk about self-publishing, when it started to become kind of a bigger deal, like in 2014, I think is the marker where they start talking about self-publishing being a bigger deal. And there's a lot of things you have to learn. It's, it's an art, but it's also a job. I try to right. stress that to people. It is a job. So you yeah. have to learn how to do that job well. And at the same time, when you 
self-publish because of what happened in self-publishing there is you know to your point with what you were going through in hollywood there is a lot of garbage for lack of a better word because it the person didn't hone their craft or they didn't get an editor or they didn't you know some part of it that they then just threw it out and is like people should read my thing and there you're like not in the condition it's in right now people right. should not read your thing right right okay so let's talk about your writing process so working previously in movies working doing journalism which is a lot of research gathering how do you write as a fiction writer now uh I usually have a general idea of the story I want to tell to start. Is that what you mean? That that kind of the plotting part? Start from the beginning. Yeah. Let's go through the whole thing together. Yes. Well, I'm going through on the next Destination Murder Mystery, which is Destination Monterey, which I'm working on right now. So I had a general idea of where I wanted to take the character. Um, and, you know, I have her working in her having to write about our hometown area which is not as travel writers are like oh boring but it's actually you learn a lot you know about where you are and about her background and things like that so um and in some ways because they're travel pieces that kind of helped me a little bit because it's like okay so let's take monterey she starts in carmel at carmel valley big sur then i have her cycle back around over to pacific grove and monterey and then to pebble beach and worked my story around the travel destinations that she's going to visit for the, the plotting out. And then with a mystery, you always kind of start, and I had heard this years ago, kind of start with the killer's confession and then work backwards a little bit, kind of in terms of who do I have, you know, as 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 the murderer and how do we get there? Um, but then there's still stuff that I, again, I'm in the process where I'm in the, um, I'm in that first draft. I'm almost to the end though. I'm very excited about that. Because that's then I very exciting. For other reasons, I think that's rewriting. very exciting. But go very exciting. The fun part is the rewriting for me. Once it's down, it's the same with the journalism stories. Once that horrible first draft is down, I'm a happy camper because I know I can finesse it to where it needs to go. But getting that, and I was kind of coming up with an analogy of it's like it's like a big piece of marble. And the rough draft is I finally cut it out of the mountain, right? And it's like, oh my God. And now I can start whittling around and making it work. So at the moment, I have a lot of spots where it's like, um, more here, name here. You know, I mean, I have a lot of things that I'm going to need to fill in later, but I'm just trying to move the plot forward so that I can come back and fill in all the, the fun stuff. So do you, uh, do you plot it out at all? Or do you just I do, do an yeah. outline? I do, yeah. I do the, the cards up on the wall, but certain sections were missing a little bit. I'm like, it's like, well, I'll figure that one out when I get there kind of thing, so but okay but yeah. i'm going to ask you because you write mystery which is a whole genre that i think is fascinating yeah the whodunits what made you decide to write mystery one of it is that i love mysteries i absolutely love mysteries um and it's and it's since you know a kid reading nancy drews right and then agatha christie's and um i and then one of the things i did on my travels when i was working as a travel writer is whenever I would visit a city, I would find a local bookstore and pick up a mystery set in the bookstore because mysteries tend to be about place. And so if you'd like, you know, so I would say a trip to Scotland and I'm in Edinburgh and I pick up an Ian Rankin book, reading it on the plane home, you get to visit all the places you just went. So that's, that's really fun. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting when you look at it, it's like, what, why do we love, you know, 
knocking people off so much, you know, and killing them. But there is something about, I don't <laughs> the know. The quote of the night. Why do we like killing people Why so do we much? like killing people? But well, see, I write this thing only I have a completely different version of why I like killing people. It's, it works out very well for me. <laughs> so, and then I think it's, it's a big puzzle then, right? You know, you get to knock someone off and then you have to solve the puzzle of who did it. So that's fun. Do you, do you find... Um, so one of the things I think is interesting for writers and is we have the whole thing in our brains. We have the universes, we have the multiple universes, if you're CR, like in our brains that are going in tandem that you pull stuff into. But with mystery, you have to give enough that people are along for the ride, but not too much that they've already figured it out right. when they're doing it. How do you find that balance? Um, well, because I, I, and one of the things I did with Destination Maui is um, I had all the kind of breadcrumbs for who did it there. And then again, once I was doing some of those rewrites and going back and doing the, the second, third, and fourth drafts is you go back and start throwing in little things, little clues to point to somebody else along the way. You know, so you have the through line of the main kind of story of who, you know, this guy killed this guy and this guy's solved, right? But then you have all the other kind of, you know, things that you throw in to throw people off a little bit and do it, do that along the way too. Um, and it, in a way it's similar for the romantic comedy for the war council, you know, because it's like, it's this, Maggie wants to make love logical. So she creates the paramilitary relationship counselor like Mission Impossible, but then someone uses it against her. So that's your twist that you throw in to kind of, to th throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing so what was the most interesting part of you for you of getting um novel written and getting it published wow that's a really good question hmm i don't see are you gonna answer i like asking interesting <laughs> questions as i've been drinking my answers are never what you're going to expect because my, my whole thing is completely different. So I am not a good person to go off. Okay. Of. <laughs> I guess, I guess the validation, the validation is pretty cool. Um, cause this is something I've, you know, I've always, I've always been a writer and I've always worked as a writer, but there is something about going, look, I did this and being able to like, this, this is mine. I did this. Does that make, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you can do that in magazines. I mean, I've done that. Well, I, my story's in this magazine and it's on that shelf over there. That's really cool. But there's something about your book, you know, and it's similar to, again, when I was in film school and we made our student film, it's, it's like, this is my baby. It's like you've given birth to something, you know what I mean? And it exists and it's born into the world. And now the, the interesting thing, though, is that that happens. And then it's like, oh my God, now people are going to comment on it. No, wait, what? You know, so there's there's the... There's the mixed, you know. <laughs> and you're doing brilliant on the segue. So let's talk about people commenting on the book and reviewing it. Do you read your reviews? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, and it's funny because with the War Council, the very first person, I got a, a crazy person review. And it was almost like, and I was talking to Val at the time. I'm like, yeah, I, there was a part of it was like, well, maybe we need to stop stop we don't need to this doesn't need to be published this person didn't like it or you know what I mean she didn't she didn't get it um and then everything else was like no, no, no we like it it's like okay, okay all right okay but it is a little 
it's hard a little bit. You know, you've put this thing out. And one of the nice things I will appreciate is writing for a publishing company where I'm writing a series is I've already moved on to the next one, right? So I'm not as in, if, it, if I had only just published the War Council and then had to wait on the response and not have anything else coming up, I think that would have been a lot harder, but I was already moving on to Destination Maui. And now I'm already moving on to Destination Monterey. So I'm already in that other world. And it's like, oh, you enjoyed the book. That's great. I'm already thinking about the next one, which I actually really, uh, for me, that's really good. And it's very similar to the magazine world where we just have an issue coming out. Well, I'm already on the next issue, you know, so I don't have to think. No, it's true. And I I think um, what you said, though, ties into the fact that I, you know, I ask authors that question all the time and I know how dangerous reviews are because reviews are not very helpful most of the time. They're right. just not a helpful communication to have. It's really great for somebody to go, oh my God, I love your book. Because you can also get those people that are like, oh my God, I love your book. And in their review, they completely explain all your plot Every lines. single <laughs> word. <laughs> Well, that again, it's this like the mini version of your book and they're like, oh my God, I love Destination Maui. And it was so cool that Bob was the killer. <laughs> and you're, Bob's not the killer in Destination Maui, anybody listening. But like, it's one of those things where you're like, what in the fuck just happened? Right. Yeah, right. And then at you know? the very end, they say, sorry for the spoilers. <laughs> it's like, thanks. Right, right. You know, so yeah. you have to, it's great in a way, but in a way, I always tell authors, like, just stay the hell away from reviews. Yeah. You need them. You should find people to write them, but reading them, you can go down a rabbit hole of crazy. Like right. you really can go down a rabbit hole of crazy people who also don't get like, I, I have a review on my book. I've talked about this before where it's, I, the book is uh, called my home on Whore Island and the review <laughs> The review is from a guy who is like, this doesn't give enough tips on how to get laid. And I'm like, well, that it's, this is What's not a how-to book. That's not what <laughs> This isn't getting laid for dummies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly yeah. He goes through, he gave me three stars, but was not happy with the fact that he wasn't able to get laid. He's like, women can probably get laid using this book, but guys will, and I'm like, how the hell from reading this did you think that this was going to be a manual on how you get laid more? And I'm like, you are just, you're a delight. You're a delight to be around. You know, my first review, I have to say my first review I ever got was on a short story. Are you hearing me, Chelsea? Short story that I wrote. <laughs> what is and the short the story? Short story is called Jimmy. And um, needless to say, it's a thriller horror story. And it's about um it starts off with a kid who wakes up in a bed he's a teenager who had tried to kill himself and was not successful and it goes through a bunch of um scary stuff but literally the review said erica lance promotes suicide and i was like okay i'm done with reviews at this point in time the person <laughs> like she reviewed every single story in the book and what was funny was the one person who had submitted their story that was in the anthology, it was supposed to be a 5,000 word story, I think, or 10,000 maybe. And she had submitted 25,000 words and the editor had to cut her 25,000 word story down to 10,000 words, um, got the best review of everybody. And hers was the most complex to follow. And I'm like, 
not reading reviews anymore. I'm super done now. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. I think the hard part is when you get reviews in your inbox, but you can't get the people to go back and actually leave reviews for you. That I've gotten. That I get it time. all the time. Yes. They're like, oh, it was great. Know? And then they go through and you're just like, awesome. Thank you. Will you just hop on over to like this website and just, just copy and paste? Just, That's just what I copy them. and paste. Yeah. I'm like, you, all you have to do is copy those two sentences you wrote me and put it on Amazon. That would help a lot. Cause yeah, I'd get that a lot. Yeah. So, um, what has it, what kind of feedback have you gotten from fans? You just said you got email, but how has that been getting feedback? It's been been delightful. It's, it is really fun. It's really fun when people enjoy what you've written and, and yeah, no, I, I, and it's fun being able to, and it's funny because one of my favorite authors, um, was Sue Grafton. I don't know if you guys ever read Sue Grafton stuff, but I just loved her stuff. And I kind of remember going to, she had this salon, um, decades it was a while ago but um and we all sat in there and everybody could talk about the books because we all knew them as well and it's neat that you create these worlds that people talk to you as if they're real people you know um like there's a character in destination maui that our lead character gal sam kind of starts up a budding romance with this maui detective and when i'll say to people it's like well what do you think about bringing roger back oh i love roger you're like okay I'm glad I created a guy that you actually really like. Okay, that's good. Okay, so that's fine. Yeah, I, I have to ask this because I think it's very funny. This happened to me, but has anybody come talk to you about one of your characters that was just literally like a plot point, like a launch point? They weren't actually intended to be anything other than like the barista in the coffee shop that somebody <laughs> comes and picks up a coffee so they can move on to their <laughs> whatever was actually happening in the story has anybody brought things like that up to you um no but there's one character that i introduced in destination maui that i actually had been planning to kill i've made her as annoying as possible and was going to kill her off in the next book and then i actually became so it's like you know she's kind of fun as a foil because she's she's so annoying so i may have to keep her around a little bit so yeah so sometimes there's there's that you know it's like oh okay i don't i i i Sometimes that is the hard part with a mystery. It's like you are killing, and it's like a, it's fictional, but you still feel bad killing people off a little bit sometimes. You know, it's like you're you know. talking the wrong. So person. it's not I like the memes. literally zero problem killing people. So. <laughs> Half the people in my books die. <laughs> so everybody, run out and read our books. <laughs> Get invested in the characters. Exactly, and then boom, gone. Yeah. yeah. I had a review one time that actually is my favorite review, which said Erica Lance is an author that likes to punch you in the fucking face. Like nice. they literally wrote that. I mean, fucking was, you know, asterisks and everything like that. And I was like, cool. Well, that worked. That, yeah, nice. that had the right effect that was Take happening. It as so you what will. has been your most fun interaction with a fan? Oh, oh, I well, it's 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 um it's was like my dad's cousin's wife. And it was, it was one of those where I said, Oh, you know, I have a book that came out, the work cancel came out. It was so cute. It's like, Oh, that's great. And then I was up in Carmel doing research on the other book and they were there. So I said, Oh, I'll come over. And I thought, well, I'll bring her the book. And I walk in and she had bought eight copies and was having me sign them for all of her friends and family. And I'm like, that was just the sweetest thing that's that was just so sweet that she had cared enough to like buy all those copies and then it wanted me to sign each one with a different thing to different people and that just was a great thing so at that point that's yeah it's still 
family member. You autograph books you've made it is an exactly. author. Exactly. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> exactly. I think it's amazing. I love it that fans, like you said, get invested in the world. They get they, and that's the thing is fans truly get immersed and they identify with some characters in it or something like that resonates yeah. with their life. And then they tell you about it because they talk about writing being such a solitary thing. But I think that takes it out of being a solitary thing when you can interact with somebody who just, yeah. you know, thoroughly loves some aspect. Right. And then they're thrilled that you're doing that. Like, yeah. I bet she was absolutely thrilled that you were signing books to her friends. And you have to think what she said to them. She wasn't just like, eh, Anne was up for the weekend. I got her to sign some shit. I'm sure yeah. that's not how that went at all. Well, especially because, you know, the, as you know, the War Council, but it's about love. And it's kind of looking at all the different aspects of love in a very humorous way. But she's like, oh, I have this one friend who's going a lot. Of, she's going to really need this or something. You know, it was like, okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you think it'll help. You know? Oh my yeah. God, that's so much fun. That's so, so much, much fun. fun. Okay, yeah, so great. let's talk about um, where you write. So you've been writing for a long time. Like I'm assuming you did a lot of writing and stuff like that on the road when you were traveling through travel writing. What about your fiction writing? What is your writing setup when you're writing your stories? Um, well, I have, we have a home office. I have a home office. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really good. The mornings are my most productive time. Um, I, I'm an early riser and I'm probably at the computer by 7.30, 8 o'clock. And I'm just, afternoons I am useless. So it's like, you know, so the mornings are my So you go wrestling. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not Garp, I'm not Garp, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> that would be the best story. I write, you know, cozy mysteries and romantic stories, and then I wrestle in the afternoon. And I, I think that afternoon. would be amazing. No. <laughs> so I've, I've learned that I'm good in the morning, yeah. So, um, but sometimes also, late afternoon is also a time, I think, sometimes when that's more like a pen and a paper, just sitting somewhere like kind of writing down plot ideas or things I need to add the next morning or things like that. But kind of the, the nuts and bolts is the morning at the computer. Um, and, uh, and sometimes I sneak away. Um, I have an uncle who has a place up in Carmel, which I've stayed at when I was you know doing some research for Destination Maui because it starts in Carmel. But it's also good to just go away to another house sometimes and have four different walls and not have a husband and two cats coming in and asking you questions when you're right in the middle of a scene and things like that. So, you know. <laughs> well, then I was going to ask you, does it need to be quiet? What is your writing like? It doesn't have to be completely quiet. Every once in a while, though, I need to escape and have 24 hours where I'm in the world for, you know, for a few days where that's all I think. I mean, as you guys know, it's like, and this is kind of a weird and cool thing about writing fiction is that you don't live in your own life all the time you're living in this other world in addition to so it's like Kimber's like ah oh, you know the world's going to hell in a handbasket it's like I'm trying to get Sam off this cliff you know <laughs> and it's like and it's like you know I have bigger things to deal I, with <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out if the car falls off or if she pulls her out and cry what's gonna happen here so it's like you're living in this other world and every once in a while when you're I, every once in a while I escape gonna you know find a place away for a few days and just go be there and do nothing but eat sleep and drink you know that story so so every once in a while I need this sometimes you need just 
to me, those are kind of like boot camp, writing boot camp a little bit, I guess you would just write. Oh, it. I think, you know, people talk about writer's retreats and I think you can go places that have quote unquote writer's retreats and stuff like that. But I think sometimes if you get an opportunity to go to a place, whether your thing is a forest or a beach or right. just a motel down the road, because you just need to be alone with your thoughts and not have distractions. I think that can be brilliant for authors. Or if you're going to go visit family that have a cabin somewhere or right. whatever it is, or yeah. fly to New York and stay in, you know, a hotel with the city streets going on outside the window and things like whatever it is that will, you're a happy place for writing. I think it's, you definitely should take advantage of that. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's, that's helped immeasurably whenever I've done that, whenever, and that was actually how I decided to, to pull the war council off the shelf and do it is like, you know, I really need to figure out what I want to do. My job just ended. And so I booked an Airbnb up in the Malibu Hills near here and was up in this little cottage for three days and just pulled it out. It's like, Oh, this, you know, this, I think this is going to work. Let me pull this out and start working on this. But it's just getting away from your everyday life and not having the distractions of everyday life because there's nothing else to do too, which is good. It's like, okay, I can't decide, oh, you know, that area needs cleaning or I should fix that or, you know, let's do over this. And so I, I definitely think finding those places where you can just disappear into the world for a while are, is really helpful. You're doing two series. I know you only have book one and book one on each of the series, but have you created a sort of a world Bible for yourself of the characters and things you've already talked to how are you doing that with writing book two um like more as you're the, going into it yeah how do you more, keep track of what you already did um more for the mystery i think um because it is kind of based on some of my trips that i've taken over the years i'm still kind of pondering how to turn because i originally when i originally wrote the war cancel it, it wasn't intended as a series so i'm still although i'm starting to come up with some ideas i'm like okay we can take maybe those characters or move that and come up with something fun, fun with that. So um, not as much as some people do, I don't think. Yeah. No, I mean, you have, I, you have a question, CR? Oh, I was just saying like, you don't write with music or anything. I actually really like silence. I, I actually, you know, I know some people do. I just love silence sometimes every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I like how she's shaking her head like, I, know, I'm sorry. I, I have to have very loud music all the time. I That's do. Yeah. Like, I have my earbuds in and like when my husband walks by, he's just like, can you hear me? And I'm like, I have it in. He's like, no, when you take them out, can you like hear anything? I'm like, of course I can. Oh. <laughs> no, I, every, every author's um, process is different it's it's kind of amazing okay CR I'm going to give you the last question before the end of this podcast no pressure but complete pressure you better be good I know I don't know why you're not prepared I, for I will it say when I wrote I the first because when I wrote the first I was just gonna say when I wrote the first draft of War Canceling a couple decades ago I listened to the soundtrack to hair I don't know why but it oh, totally wow. yeah that totally like for some reason, that was that world to me, was this crazy world of people. The soundtrack of the hair? What is hair, that? that the, there's a musical called Hair. Oh, I don't do musicals. Okay. Well, yeah, so and it was a movie. It was a movie. it was a movie, too. Watch the movie. Gotcha. It's fun. It's a great movie. 
<laughs> I am so bad with musicals. I hate them. Like I won't watch the Phantom of the Opera. I don't do oh, any no, of that Phantom. stuff. Yeah, like, Phantom just, sucks. No, Phantom sucks. You don't randomly break out into song and <laughs> choreograph perfectly and it just really irks. Anyways. Okay, I don't know how we're friends, but can you please ask a question before that's no longer the case? Okay, hair is an amazing musical. Hair is really musicals cool. Musicals are amazing. Moving yeah. on. Okay, so now you said that you weren't planning to do a series. Now, when you said that, were you talking about both of them? Like you had no intention to do a series, period, and you just wanted to do a bunch of individual books? No, yeah, the war council I wrote just to be an individual book, and then um, when I when Four Horsemen Publications was interested in the war council, and they said we really love series, I said, well, that's good because I'm already working on this mystery series, so that that worked out. So the mystery series I had always envisioned as a series. Again, I kind of wanted to. It's to, I wanted to. I love the Sue Grafton Alphabet mystery series with the Kinsey Milhone, and I just love those books. So it's to me, I want it to be like that. Um, the war council, the romantic comedy, I just hadn't thought of it. I thought of it as a one-off. So, um, so now I'm having to figure out how to turn that into a series, but you know, it's a romantic comedy. So anything's possible. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. Very true. See, look, you made it through that last question. Don't talk about <laughs> musicals anymore before the end of this podcast. <laughs> and as we're wrapping up, what advice would you give to authors out there? Um, just keep writing, you know, just if you want to write, write. And and to me, anytime you put words on a page, you're writing. So, you know, or whether it's an email and writing your thoughts or a journal or whatever it is, but, um, and it's, whether it's magazines or books or everything, it's just writing is practice. It's doing it every single day. And I think that just keep writing. That would be my advice. I love it. Okay. Tell people how to find your books. Um, you can find my books, well, at annshepherd.com, spelled weird. So um, my last name is spelled S-H-E-P-P-H-I-R-D, which means I had a very bad spelling ancestor when they came over to America. <laughs> so so annshepherd.com or uh, it's there on Amazon and Barnes and Noble or go to your independent bookstore and give them my name and they should come on. Very, very cool. It was wonderful having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed myself. Goodbye very quickly. <laughs> yes. It, well, good conversation. Go. Go. Okay. This has been the Drinking with Others podcast. I've been your host, Eric Williams. My co-host has been C.R. Rice. Our sponsor has been Skunk Brothers Spirits. WA Tech, if you want to go on code, they have amazing stuff. And our guest has been Ann Shepard, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>